Hey, we've got a media icon on the show. And before we get to Kay and all she's done and the fact that she sold her business for billions of dollars, I want to talk a little bit about my friends in healthcare, because we get into healthcare as part of one of the hot new big investment areas. And so first of all, I want to talk about our greatest asset that we have, and that's ourselves. Do you, are you investing in the most valuable asset that, that, that you have? And that's you, ourselves. So I really encourage my fellow C-suiters to check out Elytra Health, E-L-I-T-R-A Health, and you go visit ElytraHealth.com, schedule your appointment. I went there. It's unbelievable. A day-long you know, examination, and at the end of the day, you sit down with a doctor. You get all your tests right there on the spot and spend a couple of hours going through all the things that could be a problem for you, and then, of course, the things that could be a benefit to you. So that's what you get when you go to Elytra Health. And don't forget, a little bit in the show I'm going to talk about in stitch you. Make sure I spell it right. I-N-S-T-I-T-C-H-U. Those are my friends at Institute. Don't forget, to, it's for the modern gentleman. So check it out. You can listen to that commercial as we go. So right up, first of all, I got to introduce Kay Koplovitz. Now, Kay has been on corporate boards for, oh, oh my gosh, 25 years. You're going to hear some great experience, some great insight. Now, this is, applies a lot to women, but hey, men too. It doesn't make a difference because when it comes to business, we got to be fair both ways. And she became the chairman CEO of the first satellite delivered basic cable network way, way back. And it was called Madison Square Garden Sports back in 1977. Can you believe that? And renamed it USA and eventually went on to sell it went on to sell it for $4.5 billion. And we're going to hear from her because now she's in the VC world. She's helping women build their companies and create jobs and having an impact on our economy. And she's doing it great as chairwoman of the Springboard Enterprises. So without further ado, let me welcome Kay Koplovitz. From Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, so my first question is now you're advising companies in the media. Is it easier to advise companies in the media or be in the media business? Well, I love building businesses. So for me, it's always going to be easier to be in the business. Yeah. I would have to say that uh, with regard to myself. But I am advising companies not just in the meeting business, but across many different categories of business from cybersecurity to media tech to fintech, biotech, life sciences diagnostics, really a broad bench of companies. So it's much broader than media. So I'm going to get into the kinds of things that are hot and what's not hot and that and what you're doing, because I'm just fascinated by it. I want to go back because a friend of mine, uh, Keith Kroc, who's the chairman of DocuSign, I'm on their advisory board, and we just went public and went public at $6 billion. And this is his second time doing it, by the way. And, and of course, you sold your company for, oh, gosh, uh, $4 billion, north of $4 billion. And w- what's it like the day after you do that? Well, the company sold for $4.5 billion, and it was when $4.5 billion was really a lot of money. It was in 1998. <laughs> so different time, obviously. Yeah. Well, it's kind of bittersweet, to tell you the truth. Yeah. You know, it's your baby, and you're yeah. selling it off, and somebody else is going to own it, and that's what happened with USA Network. And uh, so I'm very proud of the company, very proud of having really moved the industry from the very beginning. The cable industry created the business model for all program networks in the industry, was really, truly a visionary for the industry and, and executed on it. And I, that was an exhilarating ride that's hard to repeat, to tell you the truth. 
Yeah, it is tough. I mean, to to as again, that's why I said Keith just did it again. You know, six billion for he sold Ariba for six billion, and now here the company goes public and valued at six billion. Yes, he likes he likes the number six. I guess. Yeah, evidently, <laughs> I wonder if he's going to do it again, another six. But uh, but you know, God bless him if he can. But I liked your comment that it's bittersweet because in the one case, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you you built it up, you had the vision, you saw it. And you get it to that point, and then there's that exit. And then, like, I hate to say it like this, and you excuse my language, but oh shit, now what? Right? And, you know. <laughs> to tell you the truth, I didn't own it when it was sold at four and a half billion dollars. So yeah. it was very happy for other people. And look, I did very well building yeah. that company, and, and I have no regrets about it at all, except that I did know it when it sold for four and a half billion dollars. I guess you'd have to say that was my regret, but not that many people, even in the world of today, when you raise equity capital, you're going to own a much smaller percent of this company when it goes public, although it could be much bigger right. than four and a half or six billion dollars. It could be much bigger, and, and your piece is still going to be very, very substantial. It's still a lot. I mean, even when, you know, it's like you you know, you, you get the valuation of a company and people are doing it today. It's done all the time. I, I sit on numerous boards. You sit on numerous boards. We've all participated. You get dilutive over time. And, but, you know, as I was telling somebody a, a minute ago, he, he's getting 35% of a, of a company in the startup. And he said, well, if I didn't need the cash and I'm taking a little bit of money, I could have got 50%. And I said, look, when you sell it for, you know, hundreds of millions or a few billions, seriously, it's a lot. You know, what, what's right. the difference? Right? <laughs> you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you don't and you shouldn't you shouldn't cry about it until you sell it anyway, because it's like people losing money on the stock. They say, oh, I'm losing money on the stock. Well, did you sell it? No, you didn't sell it. So shut up. It's going to move on. You know, it's, so we've talked about you've seen a lot in the industry and you were there you know, at the beginning of how to change a lot of this stuff. I'm in the OTT side. I've got 25 digital shows that we've got. So what are you seeing that's really hot right now in, you know, in that visual communication market that you would say, well, we should pay attention to this? Well, there are a lot of things happening on the OTT side. I mean, you, you have to look at the leadership that Netflix has provided on OTT and come out with an amazing schedule of original programming uh, that has now been followed by others, whether that's Amazon Prime or Hulu or many others that are out there like yourself that are really more targeted. There are just so many different opportunities out there. And you're seeing companies being lifted or products being lifted off to YouTube and and a variety of other Mm -hmm. OTT access points. And I think that there's an unlimited access availability today, no barrier to entry in the marketplace, which existed when I launched USA. That's gone. But marketing is the key. I mean, can you really get, can you attract the people that you need to the product. And that could be a very targeted market. It could be a much broader market. You look at the gaming market on OTT and it is off oh, the charts. Off the charts. Yeah. And especially with the new yeah, the new release that they can gamble on them as well, or the, the Supreme Court said, I think that's going to open up a lot. I, you said something, Kay, which I think is a real believer. I'm, I'm, I keep telling everybody it doesn't make a difference. You can produce TV, you can produce whatever the TV you want to call it today, video, whatever. If you don't have an audience then it's not worth producing, meaning it's really tough to get the eyeballs and ears of the hearts and minds. So it's really important for you to have that audience to launch it today, isn't it? It is important. I think that's why you see uh, celebrities, whether they're entertainment, sports, whatever the celebrity is, you see them really you know, moving to increase their brand capabilities on OTT marketplaces uh, because they mm-hmm. do have a lead. They do have a following of sorts for whether they're you know an athlete or a celebrity, they have a following already because they're known for that, and they 
can go to the market and aggregate a significant viewership or listenership of what they have. But I do think that podcasts and video podcasts and audio podcasts are really making a a move on the marketplace that is quite significant. So you're seeing it not just in video, but you're seeing it in audio as well, that there is quite a following for targeted uh, marketplaces out there. And I think that's the growing segment of the marketplace that can be quite profitable. Well, I'm going to take that quote right there and just play it to every investor I've been talking to or every right. advertiser. <laughs> I do think this target, don't forget, our, you know, the population of the United States, just take that, don't forget about the global population right now, yeah. because everything on the internet actually theoretically is global from the very beginning. But just look at the United States. I mean, over 100 million more people live here now than when I started USA. I and mean, that's a much bigger market. Mm -hmm. It's a, you know, 50% increase in the marketplace from the you know time when I started. So there's there are more mm -hmm. people, more diverse marketplace, more people are interested in different things. And now you can get access to different things than yeah. you did back then because it was a, a very contained marketplace with high barriers to entry back in the 70s. Yeah, I want to talk about the barriers to entry, but I also want to give an example because I think it's apropos here because you're you're speaking the language of where I'm going with the whole digital um, communication spectrum in terms of both the audio and visual, meaning podcast in the OTT market or over the television market. For those that don't understand what OTT is, that's digital TV. You know, I recently sat down with a big, 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 huge player, and I said, "This isn't a game about eyeballs and 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 ears. It's about hearts and minds." And I was with their agency and we were talking about it. And I said, look, you need to make an investment. It's two and a half million. And right away, the ad person said, well, how many clicks is that? You know, I said, wrong question. And I turned to the, the exec, the CMO of this major enterprise operation. I said, look, Tony, for two and a half million dollar investment, how many sales do you have to have in order to, to cover that? And he said, seven. I said, fantastic. How many good qualified leads? And we, we just don't argue about what they are. Well, how many qualified leads do you have to have? And I mean, really to lead to the seven. He goes, 35. I said, great, we'll guarantee it. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, we're a game about, you know, hearts and minds. We get right to the that segmented market that's your key customer base. We're never going to have millions of clicks or in a business market, we're just going to have a few clicks and all you need is the seven or 35. But I said, what happens if I give you, you know, 70 leads and 14 sales? Are you going to double my money? And he said, no. So I said, shut up and give me the money then. You know, and that's how we, that's how we sold it. But there's a different game being played today with this segmented market, don't you think, Kay? Yes, there is. And I try to tell people in the retail business, it's all about engagement. It's engagement yeah. on the entertainment side too. And sports, entertainment, all of that in the media side and in business, it's about the engagement of your consumer. And it's the same thing in the retail space. If you aren't engaging your consumer in a variety of different ways, meaning a shopping experience, but also a community experience, keeping them close to you, engaging them in your product, they're going to go someplace else. So, they, But to reach that engaged person is, and when you do, it is much more valuable than just pure numbers because reaching pure numbers, and we know coming from the television business, we reach big numbers for a lot of years. But in selling the ad, or selling a product to them is you want to reach those who are engaged in the process of buying that product. So if you're advertising an automobile and they're not in the you know, not looking to buy an automobile, it hasn't made any impact for you. But yeah. if you can reach those people who are shopping for automobile by using predictive analytics and machine learning that we have with a lot of products out there and digital does have that capability of doing it, you may get to that 
customer that you need much more efficiently. Oh, amen. Amen. Well, speaking of engagement, let me take a second and I want to get engaged with one of my sponsors and one of my good friends, and that's the folks at Institu. I-N-S-T-I-C-H-U. Institu. And I'm going to talk about style for a moment because I'm looking great and I owe it all to the folks at Institu. These folks specialize in custom tailored menswear for the modern gentleman. So they've got the perfect fit guarantee. I was actually out with a very high official at UBS last night having dinner and I was remarking in his, his, his suit. He opened it up and there was it was an institute because it was perfect. It looked great on him. And the price was right. He said, I can't get over it. You know, he and I used to pay three, four, five thousand dollars for these custom made suits, and now we're getting them for 499 bucks. I kid you not, 499 bucks. And shirts, I got one on right now, and we're talking about custom made shirts the way you want them, monogram the whole bit, 89 bucks. Unbelievable. So use the code C Suite NY and you'll receive two free shirts when you spend $499. And by the way, if you're interested in some kind of party at your office, you're in New York and you want them to come and show up and do a little tasting, like maybe a whiskey tasting, and then you can get everybody measured for suits. That's just for the guys right now. That's what they do. I'm looking for for one for women as well. But for the guys, you you let me know and I'll, I'll make them, I'll, I'll get them to come and show up at your office and, and do a big party, So, which is kind of cool. Now, you we talked about barriers to entry, Kay. I think the real barriers to entry right now is how do you market or find that audience? Don't you think that's the big one for most people in this space? Without doubt, marketing is the big challenge. Can you really get that engaged audience that you're reaching, that you want to reach? And you know, people, of course, there's SEO, you know, you can do yeah. marketing on the internet. You can use a variety of different tools to get that. But I do think that it is really thinking about starting with the core audience, even if it's small, even if it's in one location. Let's just say that it was a shop in New York. And it was one shop in New York and you got your audience, you know, to come into that, or your customer to come into that and engage and move out from there. So sometimes starting small and really fine tuning your message to the engaged customer that you want and then working that outward with outreach through people. And there's all kinds of ways to connect friends of friends of friends out there on the Internet. It, that is one way that you can do it. It's, it doesn't mean you have to start with paying a huge celebrity to represent your brand. Usually celebrities represent themselves anyway, at the end of the yeah. day. <laughs> That's so true. Very true. So you really, you know, it, you have to think about really honing in on the core and really understanding what motivates that core customer that you're looking for and then build that out. And you, you have to you have to start with, you know, sometimes you start with one and you just really keep going from there and you figure out how to increase that market when you really understand that customer and engage them. I know when I was on the board of Kate Spade, Kate Spade was a relatively small brand when we bought it at Liz Claiborne, which I was on the board of. And it was only a $50 million business at that time in 2006, but it had a big brand in the market. Now, how did they get such a big brand? People really recognized it in the marketplace. It had good high recognition in the marketplace for uh, what you'd have to say is a very small business mm -hmm. or relatively small business. Well, 50 million if in, the, in the realm of things, although a lot of people think that's a big business. You and I both know that's a small business still. Yeah. It and is. so, yeah. you know, how did they how did they establish such a strong brand? They understood the core customer, a woman who's either single, married without kids, has 
an income of her own, can spend the money on herself and is not reluctant to do so and loves whimsy, loves to have color and whimsy and usually more urban oriented customer, obviously, in bigger cities and so forth. But they really understood that customer and they built out a brand that was actually much bigger than the company. Of course, that brand grew very substantially and grew to, you know, today close to a billion dollar business. But it, you know, it started small. And phenomenal, phenomenal. Well, you, you know, you're going to take me to a different place, and I want to do that. And I want to talk about women for a second, if I may. Again, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate for women across the board, especially in, in executive leadership. I think it's atrocious when you talk about being on a board that only 17% of boards are made up of women today. And even if we put a moratorium on replacing every person that expires from that board position and make it a woman, we still wouldn't get the parity, and, and certainly in my lifetime. So you wrote a book, it was called, and I loved it. Uh, it was Bold Women, Big Ideas, Learning the, the High-Risk Entrepreneurial Game. And you've been in this for a while. And I hope you don't take offense to that. But you've been in the business world for a few decades. Is it different today than it was when you first got started? Yes, it is different today. There are a lot more women in the business, not just the entrepreneurial business, but in corporate life and so forth. They're just a much, I mean, I, I really wasn't thinking about it at all when I started uh, USA back in the 70s, but <laughs> women were just barely coming into the marketplace, really, outside mm-hmm. of education and maybe nursing and some of the traditional careers of women. Women were really just beginning to come into the marketplace. Today, the marketplace is really flooded with women. Women are, let's face the facts, more than 50%, almost 60% of the graduates from undergraduate college are women. Mm-hmm. And 60 some percent are have the graduate degrees. I mean, women are really overperforming the marketplace. And this has been going on for more than a decade. Uh, so they're really coming into the marketplace quite well prepared. What happens to them on the way up the corporate ladder or in entrepreneurship is that the aperture for them narrows for a variety of different reasons, including on the board of directors, which Mm -hmm. there has been progress made on that, but it's still relatively low here in the United States compared to some other countries around the world, the number of women on boards. And what happens as entrepreneurs, the the ability to raise capital is still stagnating in, in a way because of pattern recognition, because almost all the venture capitalists are men. They're looking for patterns uh, like themselves. They feel more comfortable with that. They don't even feel comfortable with some of the businesses that women are starting. Then you get into the corporate life, and, and women today are coming in almost on par with men in terms of pay and things like that. But when it comes to promotions, and as you go up the ladder of responsibility and leadership, it narrows for women much quicker than it does for men. And why is that in a corporation? It's because women often get the less desirable assignments they might get. If they're in sales, they might not. They might get the smaller accounts. These sorts of things happen, in, and they happen over and over again, and it has a negative effect on women's ability to break through. These are sort of the barriers that we're trying to break down in the marketplace now. And what we do at Springboard Enterprises for women entrepreneurs is we teach women how to raise capital. Because let's say if you're a, let's say you're in biotech and you've been in a lab for 15 years developing drugs, why would you know how to raise money? <laughs> yeah, you, you would know, you wouldn't know what a deck looked like and exactly. what's the components of the decks and exactly. what the deal should look like. Yeah. Yeah. And not only that, you need to have a whole ecosystem around you. You need to have accountants, lawyers, business associates, mentors, other yeah. entrepreneurs. You need to have this whole ecosystem around you. And that's what we have built out at Springboard for the entrepreneurs that we bring into our cohort. Now over 700 strong and 
collectively have raised over $8.3 billion. So it's, wow. this is not a small undertaking on our part. But then again, small has never been in my vocabulary. So I, <laughs> I, I don't apply it to women, that's for sure. And I think that we've got to really position these companies so that they're, they are overperforming the marketplace in terms of uh, their liquidity events that they're having in the marketplace, the number of the percentage of their companies that have liquidity events. We've had over 175 liquidity events and 17 IPOs. Uh, By the way, the number of IPOs out of our marketplace overperforms the general marketplace for the percentage of companies that go IPO. I'm going to go back to that. What do you account for that? Well, why are you overperforming? Is it because they're mostly women or just just a a a good trusted ecosystem that you built? I think it has to do with both. I think women are actually very good at business, but I, I think they did not have access to the ecosystem they needed previously. Yep. And having created that, you can see their ability to perform and they have exceedingly de- great depth and agility. They, women, are just generally speaking, the ones that we bring into our programs, I can see it you know, every time. They are just soaking up the information so quickly and pivoting and changing so quickly to adapt the information that they learn. I don't believe that guys come into their early start in companies believing that, uh, that they need to really learn that much from other people. So there's a little bit of a difference. They just have the advantageous position of being in the pattern recognition for the venture capitalists who are basically men. You know, 91% of them are men today. And I think they're more comfortable with that. But we're trying to level and we're working to level that playing field, at least for the companies that, that we are working with. So I think that's important. And in corporations, I believe that women need sponsors, not just mentors. It's a sponsorship. There's a big difference. Yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah. Well, one's yeah, there's a big difference between the two. One's advocating and one's just there to be there when you need it. Exactly. And I think that women need to have more sponsors and companies, both men and women. Look, I in my career, almost all my mentors were men. I was fortunate mm-hmm. during the time that I was uh, building my career in media. That's who was available. That's who was running the businesses. And, and I was the beneficiary of getting their best advice. But you need that sponsor. I, yeah. I, you know, it's even in corporate world. Look, I've been a Fortune 100 company, and you know, and I remember tugging my CEO. So, look, boss, I'm going to go do this for you, but you got to give me air cover. You know, be a sponsor. Right. You know, you got to advocate. You got to help push because I'm going to run into roadblocks. You know, and that was a little bit more with me having a position in in the in the air cover, which was helpful. But you're exactly right. When you have a sponsor as opposed to a mentor, you got somebody that's really out there swinging away for you. Exactly. Exactly. Somebody and, and their names, the sponsor's name is on you. I mean, you know, people yeah. know that this you know, you're if you're the sponsor, they know you're bringing this person along. So you want that person to be successful because you put your you've attached your own reputation to that person. And so Absolutely. that's important. And I think we need to see more of that in corporations today. I do think that when there are more women board members at the board table, I think more women get an opportunity to present in front of the board. And that's mm-hmm. what you need to see at the top of in the C-suite. You need to see women in the C-suite and you need to see them presenting to the board and interacting with the board in order for right. them to have a shot at the CEO corner office, if you still want to call it that. Yeah. yeah. Amen. 
Amen. You know, it, I, it, but it's not easy, Kay. I mean, look, I've got an investor conference coming up in San Francisco. We do for our, our Hero Club and our C-Suite Network. And I try to mandate over 50% of the of the presenters have to be women or more. And I've done a really good job of it. I'd like to pat myself on the back, but, it, but it's not easy. It is very tough. And especially in the investment world, to get that many powerful women, VCs, family funds, investors. Now, people say, oh, come on, Jeff, you got to work harder. But I'm just telling you, it's really hard. And you're validating a little bit of that. And I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm called all the time for yeah. suggestions or to be, you know, to be appear myself, but for yeah. suggestions of other people. And I'm told oftentimes that they get turned down by women that they go, you know, request to appear on a panel or as a keynote. Or all the time. More often than men. They, every, every, most everybody tells me that, that they, women turn them down much more often. And it's the opposite of what I believe. You have to be out there. And we tell our entrepreneurs as springboard, it's not just heads down and get the job done. It's you've got to get out there and tell people what you're doing and what your vision is and bring them along. They've got to know who you are in order to be supportive of you. And you need to show up. And we tell them that all the time and we push them to do that. But I do agree that uh, women are a little harder to, they're not only are there fewer women, so many more women get many requests and they can't fulfill them all because after all, they are running businesses or they are running multi-billion dollar divisions of major corporations or many hours in the day, but they do have to show up. But you got a responsibility. I, that's what I've got to say, too. I, and by the way, it is that way. I mean, I ask, I'm constantly, I got a list of women that I'm working, I'm looking for more, I'm trying to do the best I can, but I do get turned down by women more than men. I will. That's a fact. And that's on the, either the C-suite programs or uh, investor programs, or whatever, just because they're so busy. That's one. And I do understand why. I get it, running a business. But I also think there's a responsibility, and see if you agree with me, for women to advocate for more women. And I also think just as it's, it's a responsibility for men to do the same and or to be fair. You know, because I don't think men are always fair. I don't think I don't think a lot of men go out of their way to to say I'm putting my buddy in there, but we do that because that's what we're used to. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think we consciously say, "Hey, let's just let's just let's just." Uh, I don't want to use the word. Uh, I don't want to use that word. I was going to use the word a bad word, but you know, you know, to stop someone else. I think we more do it because we're comfortable with the way that we've done it in the past and we're used to that kind of thing. That's kind of what you're saying. Yes, it is. It, it is. Uh, we, we've got to work very hard to sort of break down those perceptions. And and I, on our side of it, on the women's side of it, I think we have to work with women to really have them understand that it is important for them to show up and to really represent their point of view, their company in, in leadership positions in the industry. I know I, I when I was building USA, I, I always felt I had to show up at the industry events. I had to do the speaking. I had to really voice my opinion. I wanted, you know, I wanted my company to succeed and I wanted to be perceived as a leader. And you, mm-hmm. you can only be perceived of a leader if people can hear your message. You know, if they don't hear your message <laughs> ever, it's really hard for them to be following you. Yeah, you're the man of La Mancha then and just shouting at a windmill, that's, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is not a good thing. Hey, we got a minute left, but I want to ask you uh, just because you're you're investing so much money and you're doing all that you're doing in in, in the visual communication, audio communication fields, and and everything else, you, you, uh, health, everything. You got it all. I shouldn't just say it's that. Um, what do you think's the hot thing? What, what's hot? Healthcare IT. Yeah, it is really big, huge. The next two decades, we are going to see more development in the delivery of healthcare in our country and I believe around the world, not only the innovation in 
the technologies of surgery, uh, online operations that are being transmitted around the world so people can really, doctors and specialists can really share their information. But the way the patient gets information and shares it, and I believe that the consumer habits of comparing cost and outcome are going to now, they're starting to move into the healthcare business through healthcare technologies that are being made available to the patients, that is really going to change the way we deliver healthcare. And I think ultimately make it much more affordable for us here in the United States, because we pay a high premium for our healthcare here in the U.S. Well, if they could just do something about me filling out the same form over and over and over, right. uh, that, that, that in itself. But you're going to see a lot of efficiencies. I think you're right. And then hopefully the next ones after that one's going to be the government level efficiencies of services. But we'll get to that another day. I, Kay, I got to tell you, I've enjoyed this. It went a place I didn't think I was going to go to in the interview. And I'm so glad it did. And I want to have you back because this was fun and we got to do this again. It was fun. I really appreciate it. It was fun to talk with you, Jeff. Well, thanks so much for being a part of All Business right here on C-Suite Radio with Jeffrey Hazlett. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. Wow, that was a fantastic show. Don't forget, boy, if you're making a lot of money, you got to pay your taxes. You can't avoid that. So if you're a freelance worker or unsure about how your income is taxed, look no further than the professionals at Liberty Tax Service. Over 4,000 offices in the U.S. and Canada and thousands of professionals are ready to help you anytime to get the most accurate return guaranteed. So visit LibertyTax.com to find the office nearest you or call me. I'll introduce you personally. I love Liberty Tax and I use them all the time and I, I really truly love them. I love the people. I met a lot of the franchisees. In fact, through this show, we've even sold a few too. So we like that too. So we like to help them out. Hey, what did I learn at the end of every show? I like to talk about what I learned, I got to tell you the keyword that came across again, engagement, engagement, engagement. In fact, there's a lot of new stuff going on with Google right now that if you don't have engagement with the people that you're sending emails to, they won't deliver them. So it's the same thing when it comes to TV, comes to media, you got to have a community, you got to have a tribe and you got to be engaged with them or they really just don't care. So speaking engaged, the best way I can ask you to get engaged is to recommend this to a friend and pass it on. Tell your friend and don't let them listen to another podcast. It's boring. They'll listen to us. We're a lot of, we're exciting, especially if I had a couple of Red Bulls or five hour energy drinks or some Dunkin' Donuts espresso. There you go. That's where we're at today. So make sure they tune in. You can find us right on iTunes or anywhere else that you're listening to podcasts or right here on C-Suite Radio. And this has been All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>